Welcome back to the Travel Mouth Podcast. I am here today with food friend Kevin. And what's cool is we're getting these international food friends. I'm excited to talk to somebody who's uh, not in the U.S. Kevin, you're uh, you're in Toronto or nearby. Yeah, a little right? bit outside of Toronto. Yeah, but we we say Toronto because no one knows where Kitchener Waterloo is. And I, if, you know, similarly, I just say Seattle when people are like, "Oh, where are you at?" I'm like Seattle because you know. And then they're like, "Oh, I grew up in Seattle." And then I'm like, "Oh, okay, so I can give you some more detail here." Yeah, right. Like GTA, GTA, Greater Toronto Area. There you go. And and what are you up to these days in the Greater Toronto Area? Well, so I run a small brewery called uh, Block Free Brewing. Awesome. Uh, we've been around almost 10 years. It'll be 10 years uh, this, this Labor Day. September, that's, it's getting to be a major day, accomplishment in the industry to hit that 10-year mark. So that's that's a big deal. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. It's a yeah, it's a it, it's a small place, still family owned. It's all me and my friends running the place. And then uh, we do have a restaurant called the Village Beer Garden, which um, in in our part of Canada, we're not allowed to serve things we don't make. So we wanted to have this place that could have wine, cocktails, and a full kitchen and things like that. So sure. hundred meters down the road, yeah, we start this place. We have a, like a full service restaurant. So that's kind of what's keeping me busy at the moment. And what kind of foods are you focused on there at the restaurant? So I let the uh, the chef, well, we let the chef have a lot of range. Um, yeah. So he, he's, in, he's, um, he's from India. His name's Prince. Uh, so he does have an Indian influence on a lot of the stuff, but then you still also need the, the classics, fish tacos, you know, French fries, nachos, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's not a huge menu, but it is still fresh. Everything um, sourced weekly. Like I unloaded the, the truck yesterday and it absolutely sucked. It, <laughs> oh yeah. It's very sweaty work. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've <laughs> but, done a lot uh, of that. Yeah. It's all, it's all, it's all yeah it's all good fresh food and then the the menu changes seasonally so we and try so to go it, more is like it focused the, on smaller bites or do you do full entrees as well well full entrees absolutely okay um, but try to keep the serving size a little bit smaller right the more sure. people eat little bites they want to drink some more beer right yeah, and I, I guess I see that move towards um, even kind of cereal ordering, uh, you know, getting multiple small bites and creating your own entrees out of it. I think more and more restaurants are kind of heading in that direction instead of choose one thing and we're going to give you so much of it that you won't be able to eat anything else tonight or tomorrow. Yeah, 100% I would agree with that. And uh, like, you, I don't know, it's weird. It's weird. People want to try more things than they want to necessarily have an entire meal of one thing if that yeah. makes sense yeah it does i think we've we've kind of moved into this sampler society where everybody just wants to they're like well can i just taste the whole menu <laughs> can i can i get a flight of that please and like i don't know about your your background but uh sometimes you eat a sampler menu and you're just like no i'm good like i'm so full yeah definitely yeah, I, I, I like small bites, but I, I also am not able to to really belly up like I used to. I think when I was a teenager, I did the whole like, I can eat a whole large pizza myself and all that kind of stuff. And I I definitely eat differently now. 
Well, one of my first jobs ever was working at a pizza joint, uh, yeah. at a Domino's, actually. And uh, <laughs> I have a soft spot for that. I can still crush a Domino's pizza. Nice. Well, let's let's go back uh, in time a little bit and talk about kind of your upbringing. Uh, your your parents moved over to uh, Canada from England. It sounded like, or at least your mom did. Yes, my mother. My mother's from uh, Liverpool. Nice. Famous home um, of the Beatles. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. Maybe she <laughs> met them. I'm not sure. Yeah, doesn't get much um, more English than that. No, and my uh, my grandparents were in the. Uh, the Air Force, the Royal Air Force, as they call it. Oh, wow. Okay. So, uh, you know, Canada being a colony, I don't know how you want to put that for, for in British terms, but yeah, so there's a lot of British heritage in Canada, and so there's a lot of British food in Canada. And so I grew up eating a lot of, like, a lot of stews, a lot of... Um, you know, the fish and chips on Friday, like the very stereotypical British foods. But there's a, a rich culture for that there. So you're probably getting pretty close to, you know, the original. Do you find uh, British products on shelves? Like if you're going to do a beans on toast or something, are you buying the Heinz beans or are you just, is there a, a Canadian product that's the substitute or what, oh, yeah, how's no, that no, work? No, 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 no. I, I fuck with beans on toast. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, we can get that all the time. And, and is that so? But you're using like uh, cans that are canned in in uh, England, or you're using Canadian product on that? Is it the Heinz beans? That's a really good. Yeah, it's Heinz beans. That's a good question. Okay. I don't know if they canned them there or here. But. Yeah, I don't either. Okay, because I don't see those on shelf too often here in America. If you go to some specialty stores or European stores, sometimes they'll have them, but it's not that easy to find, and it's. It's not the beans that a lot of people are used to. It's a completely different thing. When I had them for the first time, I kind of, it all clicked. I was like, oh, okay. It's a tomato saucy thing. I, I like maybe twice, three times a week. I'll eat beans on toast. Wow. Nice. Yeah. And do you, do you class it up in any way or is it just straight up toast beans period? Uh, sometimes you throw hot dogs in there. Nice. Okay. I like it. <laughs> I'm into this. I would definitely do that. And no, the other, it's just, like, it's just, I don't know, it's, it's what you grew up with, right? Yeah, uh, and and not for me. I'm I, honestly, I didn't grow up with it, but like, man, I'm so interested in regional foods like that, especially ones that people are just kind of instantly judgmental of, and I guess aren't photogenic either, <laughs> like beans on toast. I don't know how you win somebody over with that one exactly, unless they've tried it, and then when you try it, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, I could get with this. So I I definitely like it, and I. I don't know. I guess I have a special place in my heart for things like that that are a little bit, uh, I don't know if controversial is the right word, but they certainly get a reaction, which is kind of great. I will always try anyone's regional food because I feel like that just connects you better to that place. It does. And that's, you know, I'll tell you, that's the whole idea of travel mouth is like so much of what I want to do is travel. And since I don't get to go to Korea, uh, I can eat Korean food as much as possible and explore their cuisine and then, you know, their music, their art. I even do the silly thing of putting uh, like walkthroughs of, of Korean cities on TV while eating and just kind of really immerse myself in the experience as a way to travel there inexpensively. And yeah, I think at a, at a certain point, like I, I really need to go to Japan someday because I've, I've done a lot of that for Japan. And at some point I really need to 
connect that real world experience to, um, you know, all the, all the research that I've done, I guess is what I would say. And same for Toronto. I have not been to Toronto and I know you have such a rich culture, not only of, you know, maybe English and some, and, uh, French influence as well, but definitely the Asian population there is just all varied and intense. You were talking about your chef, you know, and I know there's lots of other Asian options there as well. What are you into? I mean, Toronto is such a diverse city. It's one of the most yeah. diverse cities in the world. So you can get anything. You can have Ethiopian food for lunch, and you can have um, very regional Chinese food for dinner. And fantastic! Like it, it is. It is absolutely unreal. Um, the different neighborhoods of Toronto, very authentic. Everything, which is um, like we say in Canada, diversity is our strength. So we we really enjoy that. And do you find that there's kind of two different people? Maybe there's uh, one person that embraces that uh, culture, uh, diversity, eats all the different foods, tries all the different restaurants. And then maybe there's people in Toronto that don't, that eat poutine every day and kind of kind of stick to the stews and, 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 and more Anglo foods. Well, sure. Obviously, there's there's different directions that people can take i'll say yeah. um but i don't i don't think there's necessarily a certain subsect of maybe there is i don't know I'm, okay. i should not speak for the whole country. i'm just i it's weird to me to think you could live with all those options and not you know not indulge because i cer- i certainly would but i can imagine there's some people who are just like no i'm not really into that I just kind of, you know, I just want my French fries. <laughs> no, abs- absolutely, that happens, and there, and there's, um, which is wild. People who grew up with, with, you know, quote unquote, white people food that right. happens, right? But there, the whole world is right on our doorstep, at least in the Greater Toronto area. Well, you mentioned even uh, pea meal bacon sandwiches in your survey, and oh, yeah. I, I know what pea meal is and I've had it, but I've never had it in a sandwich. I've had it kind of just served on a breakfast platter as sort of like a, a bacon substitute. And it's not really bacony. It was it's it's completely different product. Um what's the, what do you get on the sandwich? Is it just a mustard? What else is on there other than the pea meal? Well, so I don't know if a lot of the listeners know what pea meal bacon is. I, I'm guessing um, they don't. It it is a cured pork loin. Um, sliced thin. It's called pea meal, but it's actually rolled in cornmeal. Um, but it's not smoked. It's not. A lot of people think Canadian bacon is pea meal bacon. Yeah. But Completely yes different. and no. Pea meal is very Southern Ontario. That's a very Southern Ontario thing. Um, keep in mind, most of Ontario is like south of, let's say, Washington State. I don't know my geography. But yeah, that's, uh, that's wild to think. Yeah, but I think you're right. Yeah, or at least I don't know what's the other one. Because I'm north of Seattle. I'm actually about. Um, oh, you're way 50, more north than me. Yeah, yeah, I'm about 50 miles uh, from Vancouver. That's way more north than me. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm more near Detroit, but anyways. Um, so the the pea meal bacon is like a Southern Ontario thing, and it's a cured pork loin. Um, that is then rolled in cornmeal because that's just what we have now. Uh, and then you slice it and you fry it. And I have these visceral memories of going to like a farmer's market on like mm-hmm. a Saturday and getting a pea bacon sandwich, which is just like a buttered bun 
couple slices of pea meal that are like quick fried because it's yeah. already cured so you can eat it and um just having those as like a eight or nine year olds while going to the farmer's market with my parents is like a core memory you know is, do they ever serve like an egg on it or any any toppings or condiments sure an egg an egg would be great or like a um like a may like a eh, an aioli or like a paprika okay. aioli, like mayo kind of thing that yeah that'd be sure. great sure okay but it's not essential right just just female it can just be pea meal and bread female bread and grease you know okay yeah yeah i know grease is definitely an ingredient and that would be the condiment then and i'm into that yeah that that i have very visceral memories of eating that well as a as a young child growing up here. It was also brought over by an English immigrant. So the guy that invented it, they actually tie it to one guy and the guy that invented it was from England. Well, you're welcome. So it's another, yeah, it's another import from England, which is, <laughs> which is kind of cool. And it's, you know, and it's essentially Toronto, which is kind of a, a great thing. And I, I, again, I love regional foods, but when there's a story behind it like that, oh, that's even better. Yeah. Apparently it was invented at the St. Lawrence market. Uh, which is in Toronto. Yep. Great place to visit if you're ever in Toronto. <clears throat> is that a is that a weekly market? Are they open just a couple days or is that something that's year round? Oh, that might even be daily. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm not sure. Okay. okay. The well, Torontonians talk- listening to this are probably yeah. so angry at me right now. <laughs> you're, you're supposed to be the uh, Toronto tour guide and just spit facts. Yeah. No. Yeah. No expectation here on that. Don't worry about it. Uh, I did want to talk about the first time you tried pho. I feel like you have a, a pretty interesting story here and how that was a mind opener for you. Oh, my God. Yes. Um, <clears throat> so I, uh, my previous career before beer, I was a musician and uh, I did I did work on a cruise ship. I did some like big band stuff. And, like I basically whoever would pay me, I would yeah. play music. And uh, and you still I play, remember, don't you? Are you you're talking play. about it in the past? Okay, I was like, I I think you still play in bands from what I've seen online. No, I still play, but yeah, it's like I don't have to do it. For it's a more of a hobby anymore. now. Yeah. Yes. So I remember after this one gig, this is a very very visceral food memory for me. Um, we went out. Uh, I think it was it, it was a big band gig, so I was doing like um, like swing stuff, Count Basie that kind of stuff nice. uh, I'm a bass player and uh we went to this fall place afterwards and i was like i have no idea what this is and they told me what to buy and i you know i bought it whatever the raw meat and the the, the tendon i remember that very specifically the yes tendon. that texture is something else <laughs> yeah exactly and then um you know you got the uh the Thai basil, and you got the little, um, what am I trying to say here? The uh, bean sprouts, Jesus. Why is yeah. That? yeah, yeah, yeah. Bean, bean sprouts, sprouts. Bean jalapeno sprouts. slices. Yeah, they give you the little yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, little tray with all the goodies on it. The accoutrement. Exactly. Um, and I just tried that, and I was like, oh, my goodness, where has this ever been in my entire life? Yeah. This is the best, this is the best food I've ever had. And I routinely buy that now for I'll buy it for dinner and then I'll have like the leftovers for breakfast. 
Nice. I I, I feel like you're on the uh, unconventional breakfast train, and I am too. So <laughs> I, don't, I, I, I don't eat cereal very often. I, I would definitely eat pho for breakfast. That sounds good to me. One of my understandings is they do eat pho for breakfast in Vietnam. Nice. But uh, I would believe it. Dude, I had, I had pizza for breakfast this morning. That's there nice. you go. Yeah. Well, and just just like you said, it kind of changed things for you. I remember having pho and and realizing that things could be spicy and sweet and sour and savory and salty and herbal, and then sort of evaluating like everything else I, that I ate and was like, man, I, sh- I should really step the game up on, on these other foods that I'm eating. They are not as complex or balanced or, you know, just varied as as pho broth can be and it made me even like start evaluating pho broths that i had differently oh, okay so this one's leaning more into the herbal side okay this one's got more spice okay this one's definitely got more umami to it you know and really understanding kind of even though they still had all the elements there how they leaned into one thing or the other to kind of give their their broth character and so i i try to do that with my food now i I'll eat something and go like, well, it's sweet and it's savory and it's salty and it's spicy. Like, what else does it need? Like, what's the yeah, what's missing... the one thing? Oh, an herbal element. Yes, I need to right. introduce an herbal element. Yeah. So, like, I I think in pho now with my own cooking, and I think it influenced me greatly both in the way I eat and in the way I cook. But you you feel a little bit douchey where you're like, oh, this one needs a little more acidity. Yeah. So much of what I do is like, yeah, exactly that. Very douchey. Um, I'll I'll even eat stuff that you shouldn't evaluate on that level. Things that you're just supposed to like cram in your face and I'll be like, man, you know, like a little, a few more pickles on this or whatever it is. And it's like, yep. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm that guy, I guess at that point. A few more pickles has never hurt anyone. No, I agree. But that's I think that's where I'm at now with food, too, is that like it's constantly evaluating and constantly thinking of how this could be improved and and what the next level is for it. And so I even things that are traditional and I do that to people like we were just talking about the pea meal sandwich and I'm like, well, what condiment like what would I put on that? Like, that sounds really good. But I suggest an egg, you know, it's like, well, yeah, that would work. But I mean, that's not really the sandwich. Now you're now it's an egg sandwich with pea meal on it, you know. And I, I guess that there's some pushback sometimes from traditionalists on that kind of thought process of, well, how can we improve it? They're like, improve it. It's perfect. Yeah, no, <laughs> you can you can definitely eat an egg pea meal sandwich. That's a pretty common breakfast. I will eat sure. that every day. Sure, sure. Well, maybe not every day. But, you know. well, let's talk about something that... That disappointed you. The uh, I, I really am interested in this pigeon with uh, chocolate sauce on it. Oh my goodness! Yes. Where was I that? Forgot, Where I did you have that? The, uh, yeah. Um. So I'm not talking shit about this place. You, you, at well, any... you don't even have to say the name of the restaurant if you don't want to. But give us a city. No, I will. I will. I will. So okay. I had I had a tasting menu at Langdon Hall. Okay. Which, which is, we don't have Michelin stars in Canada, which is also weird. And that's a thing we can go about later, but yeah. Yeah. Um, so Langdon Hall is one of the probably best restaurants in Canada. Nice. And part of their tasting menu was, at least this was pre-pandemic. Uh, they had this pigeon breast 
or squab, however you want to call it, mm-hmm. that uh, also had this chocolate sauce. And I just, I didn't think it worked that well. I was like, this, this is kind of, this is kind of fucking weird. For lack of a better term. <laughs> and that was, that was, that was one of the, um, that was when I got to take my dad to, it was his 60th birthday and uh, we brought him out to this tasting menu and he's never done anything like that. He's like, he's kind of a reformed foodie now that he's a little bit older. Sure. Um, and I wouldn't say I was disappointed in that. It was very cool to try. But I was just like, I don't know, like this probably wasn't great. Well, and I guess sometimes in, in attempts to push new boundaries, you're going to have those sort of like clunky sort of, oh, it doesn't quite like what, what, you know, and that's, again, I guess I see opportunity in that when I think, okay, squab and chocolate sauce. I'm like, well, what direction would I go with that? I'd bring some, some dark chilies into it, maybe some ancho and kind of take it in a mole, sort of a, an ode to the uh, turkey mole of Mexico kind of a thing. But yeah. Um interesting on them to go that direction and and challenge the eater in that way i guess sometimes it doesn't work out maybe for someone it did work out maybe somebody thought it was a great dish i think that's maybe what they were trying to go for um okay which is great that's great um i i cannot remember for the life of me what the wine pairing was because again this was like four years ago sure um but yeah for for me it didn't work for some other people maybe it did there were some really standout meals in that, uh, or or dishes in that meal. Um, again, it was incredible to have my dad try things like caviar for the first time, and and just realize what he sacrificed for us growing up, so that we could, like I had already had caviar. I was like, oh whatever, or like truffles, and it was like, oh wow, my dad had never tried these things, and it was remarkable and very exciting for me to be able to serve or not serve him. I wouldn't serve him, but um, to, to share his first experience with those, that was, that was a really special food moment for me. Yeah. I like that. I, I like that you were able to do that. And I think my parents kind of put me on a trajectory to be more interested in those foods, uh, the exotic foods and the, you know, rare foods. Um, than they ever were you know they don't even really eat like i do now but they sort of kind of guided me on that path and so i would love to return that to them at some point and be like here try these wonderful you know like you're saying caviar or whatever it is things that i i really do enjoy now and it's not that i'm like wealthy and able to afford them it's just that i prioritize food so much in my life that yeah if it's something you know if i really want some wagyu beef i'm gonna get some wagyu beef and I'm probably not going to go out to eat very much that month or whatever it is to save the money for it. But I I guess food has become such a priority to me that I, I want to share it with other people in, in a similar way that you're talking about and share that experience, you know, with them. I fully, fully understand that. That was something that my wife and I talked about uh, a lot earlier before we had kids. Yeah. It's where we were. We were like, we are always going to prioritize like fresh produce, fresh, uh, you know, fruit. We're going to make sure we get meat from the local butcher, things like that, or, or if not from the farmer, like we, we prioritize um, quality food over, you know, I don't know, 
going to the movies. <laughs> uh, me too. And for me, it's a quality of life thing. Like if I have to choose giving up good quality food or giving up, you know, the movie theater experience or the whatever it is, the concert or whatever, I, I kind of am going to do that over and over again um, because it's a quality of life thing. And I, I feel like both enjoying the food and then also enjoying helping the purveyors, like you're saying directly to the farmers or um, just the impact that you can have with that decision over the impact that your money will have or that your experience will have uh, to these huge studios, you know, more and more, I really, I feel the same. I want to prioritize my money to have an impact in small businesses and small purveyors lives. Yeah, exactly. And like, I, I joined a band all recently. And the, <laughs> all breweries. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I can't uh, push that without also being like, Hey, buy local beer. Yeah. Right. And, like and I completely my, agree. My whole business is, buy local beer we're making local beer you're supporting local people like i can't do that and then go buy mcdonald's you know what i mean yeah i do uh i i guess that's the thing is like in this economy especially you you realize more and more that you're voting for the future that you want to see um and will your dollar will you taking your dollar away from those corporations make a big difference to them no Will it make a big difference to the local fishmonger, to the local butcher shop, to the local, you know, produce grower? Absolutely. That extra, you know, a couple hundred dollars a month is going to be a game changer to them, especially when you multiply that, you know, 10, 20, 200 families. Um, so it's neat to like do that, to like support. And I guess for my future business, I want, I, I hope for that as well, to be in a community and be surrounded by people who make that same decision to support real people i not that corporations aren't real people because that's not fair but <laughs> uh to support people where they can see an impact from from their support and and i i do really appreciate that oh sure yeah no i own a corporation and yep. uh that's just a tax structured way of doing things but we have you know 15 people who work for us let's say between uh full-time and part-time and, you know, they have children, they have lives, they have families. We want to make sure they're taken care of. So yeah. if you're buying your beer from us, um, it would make sense for us to buy meat from the butcher down the road as well. Yeah, I, I like that. And it's it's that whole thing of like, you know, you're promoting that philosophy, but then you're also living that philosophy. And I think that's 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 what they call authenticity. And I'm going to be into that. I like so, that. Authenticity is good. Let's talk about uh, beef tongue tacos in Mexico. Because, man, <laughs> do I love me some lengua. That is kind of my taco. Well, I guess it changes occasionally, but right now, lengua is my jam. Okay, Al Pastor right now is my jam. Okay, right. okay, because it cycles through, and that's certainly been at the top of my list for a mm. while. I do love the lengua tacos. They're, it just, they're, they're a little more hearty. I would say, yeah, yeah, rich. Um, yeah, I right now I'm right now I'm an all pastor guy, <laughs> but man, do I love some lingua tacos, and I feel like that's like a unused cut. You know what I mean? Where like a lot of people are not, um, they're not hip to that. I guess is what I'm looking for. No, 
And and I so, just, you know, all fall in general, it's it's such a great part of the taco world that I think most people don't even really get into it. They're like, I love tacos, and they just get carne asada, the carnitas, you know, they kind of stick to the, right. the standards, and there's so much more. I mean, you can wrap anything in a in a tortilla and call it a taco, but there there are there's a tradition to it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Sure. And and some of those are amazing but people might be people might be a little worried about like a lingua right that's that's weird eating something's tongue is kind of fucking weird for white people it is yeah but so so growing up i want to tell a quick story growing up my parents did the thing where you like buy a share of a cow so we got a quarter of a cow and i think the cheaper shares came with quite a bit of a fall so we almost always got the tongue somehow and my mom would find creative ways every year of hiding the tongue in uh, some beef stroganoff, some uh, uh, meatloaf, whatever it was, she would find a way. And she wouldn't tell us until after we ate the meal. So I, I did grow up eating tongue in Ohio, which is kind of wild, but it was because of my my frugal parents finding ways to hide it. Um, right. But yeah, now like I seek it out. If I see lingua on a menu, I get excited like, oh, they're actually doing some funky stuff or or cabeza, which is really good. Kind of the the face, the roasted face of the cow. Uh, but yeah, those, those off cuts can be some of the most, uh, and it's, it's not just the flavor. There's just textures there that maybe, and, and we talked about this real briefly with the tendon and the pho. There's textures there that maybe as, uh, you know, white people as North Americans, we don't celebrate those textures quite as often or, or grow up with them. I think so because be we, the challenge. Yeah. We grew up with such um, a bountiful level of, the different cuts of meat yeah that we could throw away things like that like the lingua although lingua is delicious um yep. and, and the awful and everything and whatever but like now people are learning ways like one of, one of the best things i've ever had was like the soup it was like a um what do you like a harvest soup like a sweet potato kind of fall thing Sure, uh, and it had sweetbreads in it. Awesome. Um, which sweetbreads are the thyroid gland, if I remember yep. correctly. Yeah, 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 or thymus or thyroid. Yeah, something like that. Um, and it's like these little, you know, little nuggets out of out of these animals, and um, they tasted amazing, right? They're unreal, and they were spiced right, and everything tasted really good. Wow. But it's like normally in let's say the north american style of cooking we would not have eaten those yep yeah but, they would have either ended up on the butcher's floor or maybe he would have taken them home or ground into some sausage or something but absolutely they yeah, they wouldn't have been valued they are definitely not at the local um i don't know what walgreens or whatever the sure yeah, sure yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, they would not. They would not be in the in the stakes or whatever down there. You would not be able to find them. Nor could we find them at our our Canadian superstore or whatever it is. Um, but th you're missing out on like a, a flavor component as well as using the entire animal. We have a a butcher shop here um, called Double D Meats or something like that. Double D D Meats or something. Anyway. Um, and 
what's cool is that they do a lot of that, those kind of off cuts and stuff. And so every time I go in there, I see people from all over the world that are in that shop because that's the only place that they can find that cut of goat or that, you know, specific cut of lamb or whatever. And it's really neat how, you know, I guess you, you have a, once you've grown up eating that, you've got, you got to find it. And so people are driving from all over Seattle to go to this one shop and get the, the special cuts. I think that's pretty cool. But every time I go in there, I see people from all over the world. I'm like, this is neat. This is how you bring people together. Bringing people together over food is one of my favorite parts. And, and again, over beer, again, as that's my job. Yeah. Um, I really love seeing that. I really love seeing that. Like, you have people trying different foods together, and you have tried different beers together, and that's probably one of my favorite parts about this whole thing. I completely agree. I I see so often, and it's happened to me, but I see it with other people too, where I, I see them having a beer together, having a great conversation, and it's like that was the one bridge that was all they needed was that one little connection of, hey, we both like this brown ale or whatever it is. And suddenly they are fast friends. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, there you go. Like that's they just needed that one little tiny connection. I think food is an easy since it's something we all do. Um, it's an easy way to, like, get that inroad with somebody and be like, oh, you like that, too? You like pea meal? Oh, man, have you ever had this place? Have you ever had that place? Like it just becomes a, a built in conversation. I really like that. Right, so we got to talk poutine. Oh, man, do we ever. Trust me, it was coming. It was coming, Kevin. All right, let's talk poutine. So you, you're you West Coast Seattle-esque? Yes. I'm, I'm actually right on the coast in Stanwood. Okay, so you get up to Vancouver? I haven't as much as I should, but yeah, it's not far. Because of the border crossing and everything, it'd take about 90 minutes to get up there on okay, a good day. That's actually pretty good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> What's your what's your experience with poutine? What's your memory with poutine? Well, I've I guess I've had so many failed versions of it that uh, my initial thought was, well, what what is this dish all about? I don't get it. Um, because I think I had just soggy fries that were soaked in a gravy that was too wet and flavorless, and then they were like, well, we couldn't get curds, but and so I've had so many American failed versions of it that when I had a real one where the fries were crisp, the gravy was flavorful, the curds were fresh, I totally was like, well, now I can't settle for any of the crappy ripoffs anymore. You know, it's it's one of those things where you kind of ruin yourself once you've had the best version of it. And I, I really like it. I think it can really work. I think it's one of those things you have to eat it quickly. And so it has kind of a window of opportunity as well, where all the textures kind of work together. Um, but yeah. I'm I'm definitely a fan. I'm just a picky fan, I would say. 100% agree with the fact that you have to eat it quickly. Yeah. It, it's like ramen it, it, in that way. Yeah, exactly. Yes, it has it has a timeline. Yeah. That that needs to be appreciated like whatever. You're drunk, next morning you eat some poutine that's left over. That's fine. Sure. Um, it's just but, not the same experience and it's not the optimal poutine experience. No, it's never going to be as good as that moment when you bite into it. Hot. Mm. But yeah, we like we can get it at basically any joint ever. <laughs> like like McDonald's has it, like anywhere has it. Um, so it it I don't know, it's like the the 
quintessential drunk food. And I can see why. I mean, it's it it just rings all those bells. It's it's rich and creamy and crispy and salty, and it's just exactly what you want. So I mean, it's <laughs> it's sort of designed as such. And also, just the idea of it seems maybe like a drunk person came up with it. <laughs> they're just like and then let's pour gravy on those fries it's like okay and then cheese so i i can see why it, it works so drunk french canadians are just yeah. fucking around it's genius tap our neck yeah <laughs> uh <laughs> that's that's french canadian for fuck oh okay nice <laughs> i took french in high school but i did not know that one I don't know the no, slang. We got, yeah, we got the slang. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I can't believe that that food has not been more popular in America. I agree. I feel like we could even come up with like American versions of it. And we don't. I don't see it out there. People doing kind of, well, here's, you know, here's the American spin on it. We're going to use this different cheese and we're going to use this different gravy and we're going to have a different cut of fry or whatever it is. Um, I'm kind of surprised. And then, like I said, the ones that I have here in America, it's like, it makes me wonder if they've ever had the real thing before. You know, it's always that sort of like, oh, you read about poutine or you watched a YouTube video about it or something. But this doesn't this isn't it because it's really supposed to be kind of that like clash of textures and flavors. And I don't know, like we were talking about, it needs to be eaten in that window of opportunity. And so there's all these kind of things and uh, people don't seem to get it. So. It's one if of those that I called... just don't even bother ordering if I'm not in Canada. Oh, absolutely. No, don't get them if you're not in Canada. <laughs> exactly. It, they just got to be called like freedom fries or <laughs> right. something. I don't know. And well, and even, even French fries, I feel like I've kind of ruined for myself because I've I've had the really good, you know, frites over in Germany and in Belgium and, and I absolutely love them. And so any place that does anything close to that here in America, I'm going to like it. But I know, you know, what the real thing tastes like. So uh, I don't order floppy fries very often. <laughs> it's just not my thing. Mayo on French fries or no? Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Oh, uh, no. Hard no for me. Hard no. I, I, I love it so much. When I was in Germany, uh, my dad would drop me off at the pool on base because he was in the Air Force there. And they had a little snack bar there. And that's what I would get every day is frites. They'd give you the little fork and then the mayo, but like the German extra rich mayo. And then sometimes curry ketchup, but I wasn't that into that. Uh, but yeah, I love mayo. <laughs> what do you, what do you put on your fries? Are you a ketchup guy? Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm a ketchup guy. Yeah, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Ketchup. Yeah. As long as it's not ranch. <laughs> Just a hard, like we went to Belgium with the yeah. brewery and yeah uh, you know you get the cone you get the cone of fries yep and they just put like the big thing of mayo on there and i was just yes like, uh, <laughs> yes okay gross. so let me let me tell you just you're getting grossed out on that but let me just tell you that when they do that they put it on hot fries and so it heats up the mayo and here's the horrible part i love that i love hot oh, mayo <laughs> I think it's I think it's kind of and I realize how depraved it is when I'm eating it. I'm like, oh my God, this is so good. These deep fried potatoes and hot mayonnaise, like uh just fat kid heaven for me. But yeah. 
Yeah, I could even, it's funny when I eat it, it's such a, a strong memory for me that I can just, uh, I can almost smell the chlorine in the pool uh, on, on base when I'm eating my frites and mayo. So, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> That's great. Well, and I, I encourage uh, differentiation of opinion. I think we've all had different life experiences and kind of come from different places. And and so I, I like that that is not your jam, but uh, we can at least agree on poutine. That's for sure. There's nothing wrong with poutine. Hey, cheese, gravy, French fries. Let's go. You know what I see here on menus, too, is there's always going to be like a meat component. Um Quite often when I see it on a menu here, they'll be like with chicken or with duck or with something else. They'll they'll try to like, you know, I guess maybe make it so that they don't have to charge six to eight dollars for it. They want to charge 14 to 18 dollars for it. So they're going to put duck on there or something. Just so that poutine's sure. an entree. Yeah, like I'm not I'm not against that. Again, I'm I'm a British Canadian. I'm not a French yeah. Canadian. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That maybe offends some of the Quebecois, but uh you know, whatever. If, yeah. if it tastes, if it tastes good, it tastes good. That's totally fine by me. I completely agree with that. So let's talk about uh, your meal with uh, some jazz greats. It sounded like that was kind of like when when you were given the option of who you would have dead or alive, who you would have a meal with. Um, that was one of the first things you brought up. And and let's talk about what you would have conversations with them about. Oh, that's maybe my my opinions have changed actually since. Because this was this was a while ago that we yeah sure did this. and and you also brought up James Jameson uh, eating pickled pork on the tour bus and that I already <laughs> love that story I'd love some insight into that so there there is you know hearsay on my part sure but James Jameson uh, famous bass player for the Funk Brothers who was the bass player for like the most of the Motown records you've ever heard yep he apparently uh was in like a tour bus while they're going on on tour back in the day right buses and uh was eating cured pork feet or pickled pork feet and uh a lot of people got very mad at him <laughs> and because it stunk I, I don't up know. the whole bus sure absolutely it would have stunk yeah. up the whole bus um but the guy is an absolute legend when it comes to bass playing and probably invented modern soul and funk bass playing. So I don't know. I deal with it <laughs> just to learn from the guy. Definitely. I would bring him a jar of pickled uh, pig's feet and be like, all right, let's get down on this and talk some bass playing. Yeah. He, he famously only ever played with one finger, um, which if wow. there's any bass players listening is incredible. That's wild. I can't even imagine. Now I'm going to go watch a video of him playing. If is there is there video I can find? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, okay. He was more of an upright bass player guy, which is like sure. kind of an upright thing that you only play with one finger. Amazing. Um, but yeah, learning his stuff when I was a young man in my 20s, that uh, that was very difficult. And I was like, this guy's an absolute monster. And then I was like, well, I just got to eat some pig feed, I guess. Now, for famous people, I always think it's interesting to have that secondary level of insight. You know, it's like they're a public performer, so you know their skills on that <laughs> instrument. Maybe you've seen them in interviews, so you kind of get a feel for who they are. Um, 
but of course they're, you know, again, they're a performer. So they're kind of putting that on. What's interesting to me is getting insight on the food. So like when they say, oh yeah, pickled pig's feet is something I'm into or whatever, that already tells me that you are an adventurous eater. You eat what you like. You're not worried about what other people think. Like it, it gives me this greater level of insight. And sometimes it's almost like reading, um, reading a writer for a band that you like. And it's like, oh, they want, uh, look at this. It's all vegetables. Everything they eat is, oh, that's interesting. You know, you get kind of a different feel for who the band is. And, oh, wow, this band, it's all fried chicken or whatever. You're like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like, whoever the best fried chicken restaurant is, they want 100 pieces from that restaurant or whatever, you know, is on their rider. I always think that kind of stuff is interesting because it's that that other dimension of that person. And we kind of talked a bit about, you know, bridges between you and them because that's what it is, is it gives you sort of that other level of connection with them like i like fried chicken you know (laughs) and that's kind of cool to know that they like fried chicken so i i always appreciate that well yeah so i i've been a touring musician like i i've been paid to go on tour with people and just play their music for them um in front of crowds and a writer does not necessarily mean like you hear the stories about like the the brown Brown M and M's, yeah, 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 or whatever. What I don't even remember what band that was, but um, a writer a lot of the times just means like your technical stuff. Like I need this microphone here, and I need this amount of power here, sure, and and whatever, right? And then a lot of the times it's just like, hey, we've been on tour for a couple weeks, so I want vegetables. I want uh, like a lentil curry, right? Like I I just need something that's not fast food right because we've been on the road for a couple weeks and and we just need we need we need fucking vegetables real man yeah yeah. um and that that is for sure a real thing like especially anyone listening that you know we're both brewery adjacent anyone who's booking bands that come into their brewery like get some fucking salads yo like yeah that that is a very important thing especially when it comes to food um, and like I play in a band right now where there's four of us, three of them are vegetarians and one's a vegan. So when we do gigs, we do have to specify, Hey man, we need like this, this setup, right? I I'm the easy one where I'll just eat anything. And I feel like fortunately that's becoming a little bit easier, maybe not everywhere. I guess that's kind of uh, too much of an assumption, but I think it is in a lot of the major metropolitan areas, it's getting easier and easier to find at least vegetable dishes, even if the the entire restaurant's not vegetarian, at least some options. Yeah, it feels a lot more, more, more easy, sorry, yeah. easier um, yeah. that there's that there's vegetarian options and vegan well, options. I, I, and I say that because I remember my vegetarian musician friends back in the, gosh, I guess it was mid to late 90s, um, were eating at Subway, like, constantly. They would just get that vegetable sandwich at Subway, like, four or five, six times a week. Because that was the only thing they could find when they were out on tour. Right. And and, and as a restaurateur, yes, you absolutely need to have some vegetarian and vegan options right now. Definitely. And I I guess what I'm always drawn to, and maybe it's because I'm not a vegetarian, is when I see a dish on a menu where it's just they've taken some vegetables and made something exciting and creative, you know, out of it. Some roasted cauliflower in a curry, something, something, something. I'm like, yeah, see, now I want that. That's not fake chicken or 
some attempt to to mock up something and be like something else. No, it's just glorified vegetables and delicious spices. Yeah, I'm into that. And I I guess that's what I would want for my menu is things that not only appeal to vegetarians and vegans, but maybe also appeal to just somebody who wants some vegetables because I love vegetables. Yeah, I am 100% agree. 100% agree. I want some of the best vegetarian meals I've ever had have been things that taste good as vegetarian meals. They're not yeah. copying. They're not trying to taste like meat. Yeah. Yeah. That's that. I think that's the way to do it. There's a brewery in uh, Bellingham called Otherlands and they don't really expressly say that they're vegetarian, but you'll sit there and read the menu. And like, after a little while ago, like there's no meat on here <laughs> and that's just all they're doing. It's very quietly uh, a celebration of vegetables, which is kind of great. That, that sounds awesome to me. And I'd love to try yeah. their stuff. Yeah. It's it. They're also great people and make wonderful beer. So it's, it's a worthwhile experience. Anyone that goes to Bellingham, I always, that's the first place I tell them to go. So I would tell you the same. So something you had mentioned, uh, and and we'll probably kind of wrap it up on this, is talking about if you had to eat only one cuisine from one country for the rest of your life, and you named two, which the question was one, but we're going to allow it. I think that's just fine, because you named two that I absolutely agree with. You said Korea and Mexico. For different reasons. (laughs) I like it. Um, I love Korean fried chicken. Oh, my goodness. Me, too. I will and talking also, about fried uh, chicken. That's the ultimate for me right now. If there's, they're the best fried chicken. The Korean fried chicken. The best <laughs> I, fried I chicken. think I agree. <laughs> that it, sorry, Southern. Southern I know, Americans I know. I feel weird, like I'm offending yeah. an entire yeah segment of the United States, but uh, yeah. yeah, I, I Korean I think fried I chicken's way better. It's amazing. Uh, and and that and then like kimchi, um, all the different. I don't know what they call it, like the different sides that you can uh, get. Bachans, I think, is the term. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, delicious. I will always be down with that. And like the the culture of just like sitting around and eating and trying different things. I love that. I love that part so of It is so fun. I completely agree. Um, but yeah, Mex- as far as different flavors go, Mexican food and the culture of just like fast, casual, having a having a taco on the street and and then going off or like the different um like the different style of tacos i know that's like regional yeah um, yeah that that to me is is unreal it's like a very like social thing where you just you eat a taco and you talk and, and you have a heavy beer and and then you go off to the next place and the, the term there that I like is the antojitos. So it's like little bites, little, little things. So you're doing exactly what yes. you talk about. It's like a traveling meal. So you're going to yeah. have a taco at this place and then you're on to the next place to have, you know, whatever it is, uh, rolled tacos or chips and salsa or whatever. And then you're on to the next place and it's little bites. And, and it's just like the bachans. Like, I, I like that you're conflating those two, like, uh, as, as being sampler platters. I love that. I like eating that way too. I mean, we talked about this early on, but I love the, you know, it's the ticker mentality of like, I want to try it all. (laughs) I I do think of it kind of differently in the sense that like when you're doing Korean stuff, you're doing more of a sit around, eat for several hours kind of thing. Whereas when you're doing the Mexican stuff, you're, you're moving along. 
Yeah, movable and, feast. And you're, and you're trying different things. You're trying different bars. You're going to different neighborhoods, whatever. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I think we lack that sort of thing in Canada. Where in Canada, it's just like, here's your meat. Here's your salad. Here's your carb. And now we're done. Uh, the old meat and three. Yeah. Right. Whereas, um, like we do have a very diverse food culture here and, but you have to, you have to search for it. Well, and sometimes it's about breaking that, uh, kind of those cultural bounds of, of, you know, fitting shoehorning those new ideas and those new cultures into the form of, okay, so what's your meat and three, you know, making them play the game that has originally been played there. And instead of, you know, embracing the fact that that's not really how their culture eats, they eat differently, they eat little bites of this and that. And so it's not going to be that same format. And I, I appreciate that. I want to be broken out of my boundaries of, you know, what, what I'm used to. And I think some people that could be a little bit scary and they want stuff to kind of be form fitted into their, into the structure they're more comfortable with. And it's kind of asking something from the eater to put that aside for a minute and try this new experience and maybe you know maybe you'll enjoy it more or maybe you'll find it to be enjoyable but different you know in a different way and i i I want people to be as open to that as they can because i think that's when really interesting things happen is when you let go a little bit yeah we've we've learned a lot like that the the um, breakfast lunch and dinner right whereas yeah some other cultures are more breakfast and maybe a lunch and then just graze and socialize. And I really like that. I do too. And I I think having that kind of open-minded idea of, uh, you know, instead of our way is the best way because it's our way kind of closes down any influence from other places. And I, I believe in, you know, listening to other people and then maybe incorporating that. Maybe I can take their experiences and my experiences and come up with something completely new. And so I'm, I, I, just like you are, I'm open to those other ideas and other ways of living. So moral of the story, you and I are going to Korea. We're going to make some fried chicken. Oh man. I, I really need to like, I, Korea and Japan are just calling my name. I really got to get over there and I'm down, dude. It's Friday I mean, night. Uh, we don't yeah. we don't have to wait till we go over there. I don't know if you're ever out this way or if I can ever get up to Toronto, but I'd, I'd definitely love to hang out and make some fried chicken with you. That sounds excellent. And visit your brewery. Can we talk real briefly about what kind of beers you guys focus on? <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. We uh, we're kind of known for doing sour and Belgian stuff, but that is awesome. Pretty. Like it's yeah, it's nice, uh, but it's actually kind of small part of what we do. Like our best sellers are like a German Helles, um, oh. a Belgian saison. Okay, so now you've you've named pretty much all my favorite beers. Now you just okay. you, you just did it. You just rattled off. I mean, is this like a brewery for brewers or what? <laughs> yeah, I would say we're like a. It kind of sounds brewery. like it is. You know, uh, we do what about two thousand barrels a year. Um, it's still very small. We only basically distribute in our neighborhood. Are you canning or are you just uh, distributing kegs? Uh, cans and kegs. Yes. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We, we do have a canning line. Um, 
pretty decent canyon line, except for this week when it kind of broke. And I, I don't know if we've earlier. said the name yet. Have we said block three at, up to this point? I'm not sure we block have, just so brewing. that the listener knows. <laughs> block three brewing in St. Jacobs, Ontario. Right on. Uh, we do make cider as well. Um, we have that license. Excellent. And then, yeah, we got our, our IPAs and all that nonsense. <laughs> of course. Got to take care of your people. And, and honestly, I just drank an IPA, so I can't say, you know, I can't sit here and act like I don't like IPAs. There's a, a brewery here called Georgetown that makes a very popular IPA called Bodizafa, named after the uh, Point Break. I do know Georgetown. Actually. Yeah. Yes. They're, and they're pretty big. They're pretty big. They are. And it is just a good go-to. It's kind of my, if you open my fridge, you're usually going to see a six pack of Bodie in there just because it's just so easy and uh, it's available everywhere. And yeah, I like it. So yeah, I've, I've learned a lot of things in terms of like quality from, uh, from them. Yeah. Yeah, and I I got to meet the guy who came up with the recipe, and he's their R and D brewer. Nice guy, good people. So, yeah. One one day I'll make it out to the uh, northwest, and I hope you do. I hope you do, and and that you let me know when you're coming. I would absolutely love to. Awesome. Well, Kevin, I've really enjoyed our time, man. Thank you so much for uh, discussing food with me and uh, I feel like I got a new perspective from uh, outside the US and I really do appreciate that yeah love to talk to you um, yeah have a great weekend thanks man 